the Beyond the Studio podcast, and you're listening to Season 3, Beyond the Studio East Coast Edition. I'm Amanda Adams. And I'm Nicole Muller, and we're here to help you figure out the business of being an artist. Here we'll have honest conversations with artists, makers, and business experts, and dive deep into the work that happens beyond the studio. If you find value in listening to these conversations, please consider leaving us a rating and a review or sharing some of your favorite episodes with your creative community. It's the easiest way to show us some love and help others find the podcast. Thanks so much for listening. This episode is sponsored by Studio premium wireless headphones that combine studio quality sound with beautiful Scandinavian design. I've been wearing their ETT headphones in matte green and love their minimal design. They're perfect for working and moving around in the studio while painting and for our podcast recording. In fact, we're wearing them right now. Active noise cancellation seamlessly controls background noise and transitions automatically from music to phone calls, letting ambient noise through so you can better hear yourself speak. With wireless charging, it's super easy to just pop them in your pocket and bring them with you wherever you go. They're honestly my new favorite pair of headphones. Beyond the Studio listeners get 15% off with our discount code Beyond the Studio, just like the show title, all one word, at studio.com. And that's studio without the T, S U D I O.com. On today's episode of Beyond the Studio, we are interviewing Isaiah Winters, a Baltimore-based photographer and member of the Be More Creatives team that helps to connect local artists and creatives with businesses. Thank you so much for being on our show. Thank you so much for having me. I'm a huge fan, and I'm just honored and humbled to even be uh, here with you today, so thanks. Yeah. Yeah, we're really grateful to have you here. Um, for a little context for listeners, Isaiah and I met several years ago at a Be More Creatives event to get uh, local artists connected. And I met so many local artists and makers from that that I have still stayed in touch with who have now become like some of my closest artists and maker friends. Um, So I really appreciated that event. And before we hopped on recording, um, we had mentioned Micah E. Wood, who was a previous guest um, from season one, and he recommended that we talk to you. And it just brought everything all full circle because I think he also recommended that I go to that event in the first place. So he's constantly pushing me out of my comfort zone to make more friends. (laughs) (laughs) Those introverts, we need some help. (laughs) I know. Right. I mean, major shout out, like I was saying, to Micah. And I think it was a very similar situation with me. I was not originally um, a part of the Be More Creatives. It was originally started by Alexa Gaines and Lucy Camp here and so I was invited just like a bunch of other artists working at the time and yeah those relationships have really stuck through and and like you're saying Mike has been one of my biggest champions here in the city for years now it's weird to say but yeah it's been years and years so I'm I'm very grateful yeah and here we are talking on his birthday (laughs) right he's gonna love that (laughs) yeah he'll be so stoked So for artists that are not familiar with your work, um, can you tell us a little bit about the work that you produce, your creative background, uh, your kind of creative career thus far? Yes. So this is this is a long winded story. So I'll kind of start with what I do. So I'm a photographer for those not familiar with my work. I really focus in on 
landscapes. I do love portraiture as well. I kind of have a style that's very uh, American in sense I'm using quotes here. Um, but some of my inspirations are people like Gordon Parks, Stephen Shore, um, Alex Soth, Diane Arbus. And I kind of just try to paint a picture or tell a story. I know it's, we, and we can get into artist intent and all these different things. I, I don't usually inject too much of my own personality or my own identity into my work, um, but that's something that I've started to shift on a little bit more um, as I've gotten a little bit older and more confident in my practice. I've been a photographer since I was about five or six years old. My mother was a musician and uh, I was actually born in, in Brooklyn, New York, so not, not born in Baltimore, a lot of people think that I was. Uh, and I used to go to the studio with her all the time and I happened to be hanging out in the art department this day. She just had a, a meeting and I still remember the photographer there had a new, it was a new Polaroid camera, so I'm aging myself a little bit. <laughs> um, but he was like, oh, sit down with your mom, you know, just sit down right here. And I still remember him snapping that image and handing it to me and, you know, you do the whole shake with it, which you're not supposed to do if there are any like <laughs> film and a lot, you know, instant yeah. purists out there. I understand, I know, I know. Um, but that image just changed everything. Um, so like every birthday after that, I want a camera, I want film, video cameras. Like I was a weird kid just running around taking pictures. And um, I did that for most of my life until college. I, I went to Salisbury University on the Eastern Shore here in Maryland and just partying college, just doing whatever, not really focusing on too much. So I ended up coming back to photography a little bit later, maybe when I was around 23, 24. So around the time that I moved to Baltimore. It was interesting because we had moved into this whole new space with moving from analog to digital. Again, I started in analog, I knew all that, and I had to kind of relearn all the new stuff out there. And I got a lot of that practice in just walking the streets of Baltimore. So I would walk around the city like for hours and hours on end. I was working crazy hours. I was in the Air Force at the time that a lot of people don't know. I was, I was full-time in the Air Force while I started um, capturing images here in the city. So I think when we met, I, actually I know when we met, I was still in the Air Force. Uh, oh, wow. And a lot of people don't know that. Yeah, I was kind of living yeah, a dual life there. <laughs> I, was, I was a linguist for the Air Force and so I worked um, at oh. NSA and, and photography was kind of that release for me. It, it was it was bringing me some joy, you know, during some seriously tough times. So yeah. Baltimore and like me getting back into photography are so tightly wound together. And, and the Be More Creatives as well, again, it's feeding into that just, all right, I'm going to meet some other people who are, who are artists and creating and, you know, the story kind of goes from there. But uh, for me, yeah, I've just really gravitated towards ex exploration, capturing what I see. I'm, I'm really into architecture and leading lines and and natural light, I try to shoot almost exclusively with natural light. I, I love strobes, I love studio work as well, but there's just almost, I don't know, there's a weird aspect to it and, and we can get into that a little bit, but I just love the idea of capturing things as they are um, when they're happening and like obviously nothing is objective. I'm still in, you know, throwing in what I wanna see, what I like, but ultimately, yeah, a lot of my work has just been about showing you know my reality what what i'm seeing what i think is you know things that maybe we walk by or, or see every day and don't really pay too much attention to so kind of a nostalgic and romantic view of things but yep that's kind of kind of me in a nutshell yeah it makes sense hearing your explanation why i'm so drawn to your work because i have a very similar kind of feeling about ways that i approach my own photography and i don't photograph 
as much as I used to, but your work is very inspiring to me to get back into photographing because I'm like, oh, I'm so annoyed that I didn't take that picture. Like it's that, that bitter pride of like, I'm so stoked that you have that, but I really wish I had been the one to take that. (laughs) So it's working because that's kind of the point of a lot of it. And I think, yeah, like I was saying a little bit earlier, some of the newer work, I'm definitely leaning a certain type of way, but in most cases, it's just like, this is here. This is what we're passing every day. So just stop. And it's cliche, but at the same time, yeah, you can get some really powerful images or just scenes from everyday stuff, vernacular stuff. So yeah, I really love it. So it really sounds like you were on uh, a different career path altogether. Were you just viewing photography as a creative outlet or did you see potential in it to become a new a new path for you or something you wanted to shift, you know, more more professionally into as well? So for me, you're absolutely correct. I mean, my career path was not going in a way where I thought photography was going to be the end goal for me. It's something that I always loved, obviously. And again, it it pulled me out of some dark times and kind of feeling like work was taking over everything. Again, photography became that outlet for me. And um, I moved to Baltimore about eight years ago. So yeah, it was really around that time that, again, I was exploring and and kind of getting my style down a little bit. Um, But for me, again, it was mostly personal. The reason that my career kind of changed is because I was lucky enough and I will say luck I mean I believe that I have some skill and that's part of the reason why so around the time that I was starting if you all remember this is like the 2012-2013 time period that's when influencer marketing started to pick up in like Mm -hmm. 2013-2014 and so there were not many people uh, walking around just doing street photography or doing random things I mean I kind of was shooting a little bit of everything I wasn't necessarily drawn to any specific thing. I just wanted to capture my life here in Baltimore. I ended up doing a few things. And again, this is before that dirty word of influencers being used, but it's just like, oh, you're a creative (laughs) in the city. So we want to know what you're capturing. So I ended up through a a bunch of various jobs getting hooked up with the people over at Google. And they let me test out the original Google Pixel phone. Um, I don't know if you guys are familiar with that phone, but Mm-hmm. known for the camera. And so I was one of the original testers for that device back in like 2016. And yeah, it all kind of started from there because I did a little bit of review work for them at this time. I didn't really have a big following. It was kind of risky for them to say, okay, we just want to have this random photographer join our team of people. But that was the case. And from there, I started to pick up a lot of commercial work, some editorial work, but mostly it was a lot of travel. So I got the opportunity to expand outside of Baltimore. And if I go back to it, I mean, you can see where the, it starts to jump from city to city. And a lot of that is through some of those jobs and opportunities. Mm. So yeah, it was kind of just one of those random things where right place, right time, and you're just making the work. And uh, for me, that was, that was cool, but it was pulling away from that idea of photography being kind of something that was relaxing for me or for myself. I ended up doing a lot of work that I didn't necessarily have much interest in, or, you know, you find yourself wanting to people please and whatnot. And then the industry shifted a little bit and with Instagram changing and whatnot, it just started to get a little overwhelming. So I wasn't taking a lot of images. I I had maybe a year or two left in the air force and I wasn't sure what I wanted to do. Um, I definitely had confidence in some of the work that I was doing and putting out, 
but I still didn't believe that photography was going to be an end goal for me. It was really when I joined the Be More Creatives team in an official capacity and started working and collaborating with other artists that that's, that started to change. Um, and for me, it's very specific. It's around that like 2016, 2017 time period where um, I joined the team. I also had just finished up my contract with the Air Force. So I was kind of in this state of limbo and um, just with all that free time started collaborating. So with a ton of different artists, I mean, Micah being one of them, DDM, a few different musicians and whatnot in the city and just being a very introverted person, someone who's pretty private, uh, that's not something that I've really done and not because I'm like, oh, I don't want to work with such and such. Like I just wasn't in a place, you know, anxiety wise or comfort wise where I'm like, okay, I'm going to go put all my work out there and I'm going to, you know, do this and, and not have this fear of judgment. So that fear is definitely real, but it was that time period was probably the most important for me just in my life and in terms of deciding that photography is gonna be the thing for me, that I'm gonna pursue um, art and, and pursue making work because you really have to, I had to let down a lot of those guards that I had up and you have to just be vulnerable. That was kind of the biggest thing. But the city, Baltimore can be intimidating in some cases because there's a lot of very unique art groups and there's some niche interests here or there and it can be intimidating. I mean, with those first meetings of meeting other creatives at the Be More Creatives, that was my only exposure to other artists. Like, I didn't know how to get into that world. And so, yeah, it was really through establishing a pretty tight network and then just branching out from there where things started to change. And that confidence developed within myself. You start getting a lot of reassurance from peers, like maybe you should do this or do that, or why aren't you doing this? You know, you start to get that question of why am I not um, putting more effort into this? Why am I sabotaging myself? So it was a weird transition period there. I was also working for Yelp at the time as a community manager. I picked up this job um, and was working with different local businesses in Baltimore, um, kind of helping them with events and marketing and things like that. And it was good for me. I felt like it, it worked out with the work I was doing with the Be More Creatives because I was already so ingrained in a lot of the work going on in the community and the businesses that it was kind of natural to work with them. but. At the end of the day, that wasn't what I wanted to do long term. It was more so how do I continue working and doing what I have to do and have like the freedom to kind of travel and, and still, you know, capture and, and do some good, some good if we can. So, yeah, it was it's it's been a weird, weird journey. Uh, the only in, in all that convoluted description, I just say, like, if anyone feels I think for me, it was it was the it was a big difference understanding that you can be vulnerable, you can have all these feelings, you can have all this doubt, but if your path is not linear, or it's not like someone else's, it doesn't mean that you don't have a path. Like you just may have to go, you know, circle around, you know, in a few different ways and, and find your footing. But when you have that opportunity, like just take it if you can, you know, I know not everybody's situation allows for that, but I, I've been fortunate enough that I was able to do it. Oh, I loved that you said that. I feel like I've been learning in my own life and journey that progress is not linear and you always build up in your head that it's just going to be like a like a going upstairs you're making one step right after the other you keep going up but it's really windy and twisty and you go back and you go sideways and you get distracted for months or years and then go back it's it's all over the place um yep yeah but that's part of what you know makes us who we are and makes us the complex 
creatives that we are and it influences the work we produce and people we connect with and it's all part of our journey absolutely yeah and yeah it's it's hard i'm like how do i even explain how i got from point a to point b <laughs> because yeah a lot of people didn't know that i was in the military for six years so it was a very very weird journey and route to take but ultimately i don't see myself being here if i hadn't had to take all these different moves like it's like i kind of was able to pick something up from each if experience you know yeah and i think it's so interesting how while the the creative career path is not at all linear it it definitely it seems cumulative in a way like those small or maybe seemingly small you know interactions or projects can can actually you know build into really big opportunities or relationships in the future and so i loved even the story that you told about how you first entered into photography you know just just that small that small moment of the Polaroid camera or, um, you know, even the chance encounter of you and Amanda meeting at the Be More Creatives a few years ago. And now we're getting the opportunity to, you know, kind of collaborate in a way. And so I feel like we hear those types of stories again and again. And that just reinforces for me this idea that while our our careers will take a lot of different routes, they they do build on themselves in some way. That gives me hope, at least, and something I try to hang on to. And it does feel like, you know, things are slow or I might be feeling a little lost that there are, are things that are happening or you, maybe you've put things in motion that, you, you know, you haven't yet seen the the way that that's going to manifest. But it's encouraging and really interesting to hear how, you know, your story has evolved um, because you have taken on these really, really different paths and and just moving to new cities and new places too, I think is, you know, that takes courage just to open up to that community and, you know, maybe not know where it's going to lead or thinking of it as a professional path, but just that, you know, you're going to, you know, it's something you're interested in and you're going to take that step and just start to, you know, plug into that community and see what happens. Absolutely. No, I, I totally agree. And yeah, like you were saying, it really does come down to a lot of those encounters. And even I'm thinking about some of the personal projects I'm working on or people I'm collaborating with now. And like, just in the course of doing the podcast, I'm thinking of, oh, well, I met this person through this person. And then from this meeting, and it's like, you really can trace a lot of things back to just exposing yourself to as much as you can and then working with people when it makes sense to. Yeah. I'm curious how you went from, like how you were able to start your partnership working with be more creatives going right. from, you know, I'm attending events to I'm helping put these events on and create collaborations and whatnot. Right. Um, what was that process like? So I'll actually tell you a great story about that. So the first meeting that I went or the first meetup that I went to with the Be More Creatives, funny enough, was at Ann Pizza in Federal Hill. Was um, that the same one? Yeah, I think so. I think that was the one. So, so I was I, there in the beginning. Yeah, so I literally <laughs> It was all Amanda. Like, right. You started this. I live like maybe a, a mile away from that location now. Again, something that I would have never guessed. But I went to that and that day was my birthday. And I oh my had gosh. my identity stolen. Like I had all these horrible things. It oh, was like wow. one of the worst birthdays ever. It was kind of a joke. Yeah. Like, And so I almost canceled. And I remember emailing Alexa and Lucy and I was just like, I'm so sorry, I'm having the worst day. Like I wanna meet everybody. I don't, you know, I'm not trying to be flaky. And they're like, no pressure, come if you can, if you can't, it's okay. 
So at the end of the day, I was like, you know, the day can't really get much worse. Let me go at least try to make some friends, meet some other uh, creatives out. And I went to that event and got to meet yourself and a, t a ton of other creatives. And towards the end, I don't know if you remember this, but they brought out a bunch of like dessert pizzas that they I had made it and pizza. And it was because it was my birthday. And like, I had not Aww. even explicitly reminded them of that. Alexa and Lucy, Aww. I guess they just knew that it was my birthday that day and brought everything out. And like, I tell people in line in a sappy way, but like I needed that like on that day. And so it was just mm -hmm. the, a complete mm -hmm. 180 um, the way that it started. And I'm not even a big birthday person, but for me, that was something that really moved me because you know, I didn't really know them. I didn't know anybody. It was like you had to take that extra bit of effort to mm -hmm. make someone feel, you know, welcome and, and wanted and, and whatnot. So they did that for me. And I was just so appreciative that the next event that they had, I believe it was creatives at the market at Mount Vernon Marketplace. And that mm -hmm. was that shortly after that had just opened. And they had a ton of the vendors working with different people in the community. It was very, uh, very much so like a community-based event in another creative meetup. And so I volunteered to take the event images for that event because they hadn't been really documenting much of the, the stuff that they were doing before. And it's like, well, if we document this, if we share this out, maybe more people will be inspired to come out and more people will be interested in the market and all these vendors and whatnot. So I did that and then we just became friends. Like I started attending a lot more of the events and we formed a relationship with Walk With Locals, which is another collective and creative based in Washington, DC. So Alexa and I started going out there and doing photo walks with them. Um, we had a lot of people from DC come to Baltimore and do photo walks with us. And we just started really digging more into this idea of community. Up until that point, a lot of the work of the Be More Creatives had been focused on the social aspect and just bringing people together, like at that initial, you know, kind of, hi, this is me kind of, you know, kind of situation. But we had always wanted to dive more into, again, like not only just facilitating that, but building on it and allowing people like a creative, you know, outlet or to partner with different local businesses who want to get involved with the creative community. Um, so we really just spent that next year or so, Alexa, Lucy and I kind of, again, like I was saying, testing out all these different ideas, hanging out with different community organizations. Um, I collaborated with a community organization and did like a photo series on a day in the life of Alexa and Lucy just running the Be More Creatives. And um, yeah, things just started to kind of spin off from there we uh lucy moved a few years back so and in, in her absence um it was alexa's decision to ask myself to join the team and then becky stavely i'm not sure if you're familiar with becky's work but she's an amazing amazing photographer she does a lot of event photography product photography she's also like just an organization guru and like a strategy guru. So all the like, a lot of the strategic stuff or things you see behind the scenes, like Becky's usually the person um, setting a lot of that stuff up. So she had us join the team. This is like late 2017, early 2018. And we've kind of just been running ever since. Definitely dabbled in a few different areas. Um, but I think ultimately we decided that we want to stick to this whole idea of just community building. So even the things that we're doing, trying to invest some of that back into the community or like do an event, partner with a business. And then if there's any type of payout or anything from that, take those funds and then just use it to like create another event. So we've kind of just been like piggybacking and 
trying to get as much artist exposure as we can in the city and also really moving into that role of facilitating that connection between businesses and artists because like I was saying my career started through chance encounters and, and whatnot and sometimes people just need that first you know connection or that first chance so that's really been what our mission has been you know in the last few years and We've definitely been, we had some stuff planned for this year that hopefully we'll get to tackle next year, but I'm excited to see kind of where we've, we've come and where we're going and yeah, it's been a lot of fun. Thanks again to our sponsor, Studio, beautifully designed wireless headphones featuring studio quality sound. Nicole and I each received a pair of headphones from Studio. I got a pair of the Tolve wireless earbuds with their wireless design, minimalistic charging case, and microphones on both sides. Tolve is the perfect match for me. I can get pretty easily distracted by my phone in the studio, so I like to leave it in another room when I work, but I still want to be able to listen to music and podcasts from my phone. So with the wireless design, I can continue to listen and be accessible without the distractions or interruptions. So it really helps me to stay focused on my work. How are you enjoying your headphones? Well, the ETT headphones are perfect for me with their IPX5 technology, making them splash, rain, and sweatproof. As a painter, things can get really messy in the studio, and it's great for me to have a pair of wireless, durable headphones that can withstand a lot of physical activity and moving around while also listening to music to help me get in a flow state. And as podcasters, we really care about how things sound. While editing the show, I'm always trying to make sure that the sound of the podcast is the best audio experience possible. And with great earbuds, with high quality sound, these new studio headphones can help me ensure a better experience to our listeners. But of course, we love using these headphones beyond the studio, and we think you will too. Our listeners get 15% off their purchase at studio.com, that's S-U-D-I-O.com, with our discount code BEYONDTHESTUDIO at checkout. Yeah, I was going to ask if there had been any um, major shifts with everything that's happened this year with the Be More Creatives, and then, you know, obviously we can get into this, this whole year in particular, which... Um, has been interesting to say the least, but because the Be More Creatives is so based in building community locally, I'm wondering if there's, if you guys have had conversations or if there have been any, you know, virtual events or I don't know what, I mean, what does that look like for you all? Are you kind of putting things on pause until, you know, we can start to resume more in-person gatherings or has there been talks of how to start maybe making those connections virtually? Uh, no, that's a great question. And, and things have definitely had to shift a lot. I know that we spent a lot of the earlier part of this year kind of mapping out what we think 2020 is gonna look at look like. I feel like probably a lot of people did that and uh-huh. all those oh, plans all had to change. all that 2020 vision. <laughs> right, right, exactly. So we, I mean, we were writing grants. We had kind of definitely moved into a new stage of, of the work we were trying to do. So. We had been doing a lot of long-term planning, um, project planning. We had been meeting with a lot of different city uh, employees and different activists and whatnot. And I don't want to go too far into that because hopefully in 2021, we'll get to share some of that work with you. But when things happened, um, 
Yeah, we really had to shift pretty fast. And I think we have weekly calls where we, you know, catch up as opposed, you know, we have all our day to day stuff, but we really try to make sure we're all on the same page when it comes to what's going on. And, and if we're sharing things, if we're not, if we're having certain partnerships or, or whatnot, if, if we're not. And so for us, I think almost immediately after things started to shut down, we had to retool and refocus. And, and for us, it was really important to say, what can we do in this time? I mean, people love the feed, they love the hashtag and they love sharing and whatnot, but ultimately what could we do to help share as much information out as we can, as well as help some of these business owners who are kind of having to overnight change their whole platform mm -hmm. and, and the way that they deal with customers. So what we started doing is we, we put an offer out there to a ton of different uh, small business owners and entrepreneurs that were looking for anyone who wanted to promote themselves. So we started coordinating behind the scenes with a lot of, again, these business owners to have them develop some video content for us, maybe a little rundown of what their business is, how they have adjusted for COVID, links, resources, all of that. And then we were running that series in our story pretty regularly. So we were running like maybe one or two business owners a week. And then on top of that, sharing a lot of information out about um, different resources, funds, kind of just resharing. Mm -hmm. I feel like towards the beginning there, a lot of us were in this point where it's like, I don't know what information is accurate. I don't know what to do. You kind of feel yeah. like, am I creating a problem? Am I helping? And so with us, I know a lot of those conversations were just based around that idea. It was like trying to help as much as we can, but we didn't want to become a distraction. We didn't want to, you know, create any any additional issues or, or problems for people. So we really took a step back for a bit. I'd say like March and April, we just stuck to a lot of that type of work of just getting content created and then out there and shared with our audience as much as you know we could. And then after that, we started, once things started to normalize, and what is normal, my gosh, but um, <laughs> once people started to get an idea of how things were gonna go over the next few months, um, we started to have some more of these conversations with um, city leaders and whatnot. So like what things can we partner with? So we started doing a lot of things and I know this is kind of like cryptic, but like behind the scenes. So like covering certain events or like I was doing photography at the uh, world central kitchen handouts and whatnot that we were doing this with the city. So just trying to get some positive imagery and information and resources out there again to make sure people know that, you know, there, there's some, um, there are some avenues for help. I mean, I still think that there's a lot that people need help with, but I think mm -hmm. a lot of that is um, federal failure as opposed to yeah. our local area. Uh, we have our own issues here, but yeah, a lot of this is just leadership is not doing what they need to do. So yeah, it's, it's been tough. We've, we've, we've been considering doing some types of uh, virtual meetups and we're kind of working on an idea now of doing like a virtual prompt for people to go out and create work uh, under specific themes. So pretty like standard and easy to do, but we're trying to figure out ways to make it interesting. Um, we've done like scavenger hunts and all these different types of things in the past. So we're trying to figure out a way now to make it fun, but still be safe and have people social distance. So yeah, a lot of those conversations have just been trying to figure out what's what's gonna happen. I feel like everything is is day to day. And so a lot of those conversations, maybe last week, we're like, okay, we're gonna do this. And then this week, it's like, we have to maybe wait on this or, or figure out what's going on. But I think a lot of that just comes down to the climate we're in right now and 
with shutdowns and everything happening again, I feel like that's going to change a lot as well of what can be done here. Yeah. And for a little context, we're recording this in the in July. So it's probably going to come out in like a month, but everything shifts so quickly. I mean, we even recorded we recorded something a couple months ago and we were like, we have to contextualize this as well, because even though it's in quarantine, everything is it's before protests started. So like everything has shifted so quickly and every week it feels like we're adjusting to a new sense of normal, which is not normal. Right. It's, it, it's a lot. It's, it's difficult. I mean, I know that there's, I can say personally, and, and we have these conversations, like I was saying all the time, Alexa, Becky and I, like, I think there's a lot that all of us want to do, but we also want to make sure that we do it responsibly um, mm -hmm. in the right way. And it's just, we, yeah, certain ideas, it's like, this is going to be great, but then you go to, how do I implement this without, and like, without one person being endangered? Or, and it's, it's, you know, when you start going through the mm -hmm. logistics of that, it's, it's tough. Um, not to say that people shouldn't act, and I think that everyone should, you know, volunteer and do what they can in the ways that they can. But yeah, for us, I think being such a community-focused organization that has such a large social media, uh, social media following and, and reach a lot of it's just been like trying to get the information out there and like as simple as we can with the election I mean election stuff thank goodness uh, we just had that happen and um, yeah looking forward to some new leadership here in the city yes for sure <laughs> we talked about it a little bit or we talked about it in regards to um, the be more creatives but Obviously, at the beginning of the year, you had your own personal goals of what you mm -hmm. wanted to accomplish with your work and your career and, and plans. And how have you shifted um, and adjusted uh, your plans and expectations? Right. So I'm probably going to get a lot of angry text messages from friends when they when they listen to this. But I have already start. So I'm currently an MFA student at Parsons up in New York. And so my whole year was based around towards the end of last year, I'd been doing a lot of um, a lot of personal work. I went on a sabbatical to Montana and, and did some work with Glacier National Park. And a lot of that was really based around this idea of, OK, I want to get a very specific type of portfolio together. I want to make my grad school applications as strong as possible. I need to get some scholarship money like, you know, I need to make sure that all these things are figured out. So. The beginning of this year was just all based around this whole idea of grad school, grad school, getting the work together, making sure I can defend the work and kind of waiting. Once once the applications and everything went in, for me, it was more of just that crazy waiting period between January and March of am I going to get accepted? Where will I be able to afford it? All these different things. So I got accepted in to Parsons, which was my number one choice. I, I, and I'm loving it so far. but. I got accepted and then a week later is when all the shutdown stuff happened. And oh, wow. so oh. it kind of changed and I'm still adjusting. So I would have already uh, relocated to New York City. I was supposed to relocate in like the April, May time frame, And then mm. obviously that wasn't possible. So lucky enough, you know, I have my house here. I have my place here. I have, I have a support system. I have all my equipment and everything, but it's been just, I feel for any students Going through, I feel for everyone going through this, but especially a student and not necessarily graduate students, but undergraduates. I mean, I don't know what that would be like to try to start an, a program that you're unsure about 
in such a climate. And, and that's not even including the fact that everything's going to be Zoom, including labs and whatnot. So yeah. it's been it's been really weird because as we kind of went over my crazy path here to where I am today and, and the work that I'm making, a lot of that, I'm, I'm a total believer in the long plan. Um, and again, all these different connections and whatnot you make that will come back at some point. And so for me, this was like, I got all this done between January and March, but this was like a two year plan. Like I'm going to be making sure that I'm doing X amount of personal work along with editorial, commercial, whatever I need to do to make money, but then still be producing. So yeah, it was really kind of a shock to the system. And even with the Be More Creatives, I mean, we had started planning for me to uh, transition what that was going to look like and, and, you know, how we were going to handle that and everything. So everything was kind of in place for me to not be gone from Baltimore. I was still going to be back and forth, but it was definitely going to be more of a like 50-50 split and even split uh, of time and work. So for me, yeah, everything's changed. I mean, grants that you submit for, I've been asked to possibly do some residencies later in the year. Mm -hmm. I've been asked to lead a workshop finally with this organization that I love and respect. And that was kind of like a shocker to me. Um, I had started some guest lecturing and things like that and really just kind of testing out the waters and like, I love photography. I know I'm gonna, I, I wanna be a photographer, but like what aspect of that world, of the photography world and art world do I wanna be a part of? And for me, I think I've been leaning more towards the education and academia just because I mean, there are not a lot of photographers that look like me. Um, there are not a lot of black photographers out there producing work. And there's a million different reasons that we could go into why I think that's the case. But um, for me, I think it's important. And this comes back to those original days of even meeting people through the Be More Creatives. It's just, if I can help anybody be that first initial contact where they're like, okay, maybe I can do this, or there are people who look like me who do this, or I'm scared to try this new camera system. Like, I, I don't want people to think that I'm, I'm dumb or I don't know. It's like, nope, I've had to restart. I've had to do this. Like, and I feel like that's been, that's been giving me the most joy in the last few years of just making work and working with the Be More Creatives. But that in itself becomes an issue when I'm, I'm finally in this program. I'm, I'm moving towards that path to be able to do this stuff. And it's like, halt. So yeah, even a lot of the work that I've been uh, mapping out and you know how it is, you're, you got your journals and everything and you're kind of putting everything together. A lot of that have been based around this idea of me transitioning out of Baltimore and moving uh, back to New York where I was born. So yeah, it's been like, I'm, I'm honestly in a stage right now where I'm reconsidering a lot of concepts and kind of just trying to figure out how I can continue making the work that I wanted to, to make and, and maybe just spend a little bit more time in Baltimore, which is, is not a bad thing, you know, spend some more time with friends and loved ones. But it's definitely been a really difficult shift because yeah, I think even more so than the, uh, all the other complexities and not knowing what day it is half the time, it's just that idea of planning to leave. So, I mean, towards the beginning of this, I was in my office that my office was covered in everything, you know, in March and I took everything down. I packed it all, my inspiration, all my books. And it's like, I'm still at this point where I'm like, do I want to completely set my office back up? But now we're in these surges. And so I'm like, yeah, I'm probably going to be home for a bit longer. So I might as well just like settle in a bit, you know, but mm -hmm. it's been months, you know, it, it's weird. It's a, it's a weird time to be creating. It's it's a good challenge and it's i feel like there's going to be so much good work that comes out of this we've already seen a lot but yeah it's, it's really hard to 
when you are someone who thinks about the long term, you know, goals and whatnot, it's hard to kind of steer yourself back on track, whatever track that is, um, without any type of knowledge of what's coming next, you know? Yeah, it's such a weird time of uncertainty. And especially if you experience anxiety, that uncertainty is a whole nother level. Um, mm -hmm. And I, I feel like as artists, we probably, it's in our nature to process what we're going through with art making or, you know, we're so drained by what we're going through, we can't produce. And sometimes it's every other day. <laughs> that is real. Yes. Mm -hmm. um, I just want to speak on that really quickly, what you're saying, that's the um, not being able to produce and like, that's a real thing. Anyone starting out or in it now, like it happens to all of us. It's real. And yeah, like you were saying, I really think it, it changes day to day in a lot of cases. Like for me, it could be as simple as, oh, it's really cloudy today. Like I'm in a bummy mood already. I don't yeah. have yeah. any inspiration to like stare at a photo book for hours to, to figure out these concepts. Yeah, it's really, you just have to kind of go with the flow a little bit. I know it's weird, but it's like, if you feel it, do it. If you have to stop, just stop, you know, and, and take that time for yourself to recharge. Cause yeah, you can, you can burn yourself out in quarantine too. I, I'm very aware of that. Yeah, I'm, I've been talking to my husband about it a lot. He's a musician for some context, but he had been working a lot musically at the beginning of quarantine and was kind of using it as like a personal residency and then hit that wall. And it's like you, you so easily experience this guilt or this shame or all these complex emotions when you can't create because you're like, this is where my value is. Right. I can't create. What is my value? But... I keep trying to remind him and myself, like, you cannot pour from an empty cup. You have to let yourself rest and refuel in order to produce anything, to give anything. And I think a lot of us are sitting in empty cups right now. Agreed. No, absolutely agree with that. And I mean, it's also not a bad time to look at old work again. I, that's something that I've been doing a lot. And yeah, when you don't have that pressure to go out and create something new or finish something, it's like you can, we have the time now, um, spend a little bit of time looking at that old stuff. There's a lot of old work that I didn't even realize like, oh, I was looking at this or I was gravitating towards this. You're just like in the moment, you're just doing it. So yeah, it's been a good time for reflection. But again, even that sometimes takes energy. So really just do, do what feels right for you. And that whole idea of the cup being empty, I totally, I, I agree with that for sure. I mean, I, I took a, a pretty substantial break here, maybe a month I didn't take in one image, um, nothing outside of like my cell phone, just because it's like, I mm -hmm. don't feel, I didn't even feel like loading film into my camera, which is one of the most cathartic and relaxing things for <laughs> someone who's a film. I'm like, you know, it's like, oh, yeah. this is great. And I'm just like, look at it and I'm like, oh, I, I just can't. It's like, I don't have the appetite for this right now. I can't handle it. So yeah, definitely. Yeah. It's been interesting to work through that though. I think it's, I think it's a good thing to learn earlier or sooner rather than later, you know? Yeah. I'm, I'm so curious too. What has that experience been like of entering into this virtual grad program? Have you, ha, has it already started or are you getting ready for that this fall? You know, how has that been to just get to know that cohort and, you know, I'll say you all are my celebration. So you're the first Zoom I've taken after. So I just finished my first semester. Um, 
We oh, have wow. two pretty well, congratulations. intense courses. Thank you. Yeah. So they re and, and Parsons is known for having all these different experimental takes and doing all this weird stuff. So they had some structure to, to shift to online for the program, but they did have to change a lot of the that two year layout. So we ended up packing mm. on a pretty intense theory course as well as a pretty intense seminar course during the summer because it's like you don't need to be in studio to do these things. So we're just going to make you read tons of books and, and hundreds of texts and, and whatnot. And Parsons is almost, I think, 50% international. So my cohort is made up of students, not only here in America, but in India, China. Um, we have a, I have a classmate that's in Italy right now. And so even coordinating those time zones, yeah. my classes were usually from like 8 p.m. to 11 p.m. And then that would still be really bad for other people. So I think the only person who was always okay or the, or the people on the West Coast were all right. But yeah, it was, it was tough. So I'm not someone who really likes online classes. I never have. I like to engage with people and like look at the board and like, I even, I don't know. I just like learn from seeing stuff written down and just like seeing the person do it. Um, oh, what? So, You're an artist who's a visual learner? Right. I know. I'm like, this is this is very controversial. I know. But it's been it's been weird. I'm I usually do not like online classes. And I will say my professors, have been, they've been great. The faculty has been great. And compared to other friends that I know in grad programs and in other undergrad programs, they give us a lot of information. And then sometimes that's good and other times it causes more anxiety, but it's like at the end of the day, would I rather know and like kind of be able to prepare for this or just have it come out of nowhere. So there's been a lot of adjustment, even in the way that you submit assignments and, and it's like, how do you take an art course online? Well, there's history and theory and that's a whole thing in itself, but we do have to look at a lot of work. So. You got issues with streaming and trying to watch films or trying to look at people's portfolios and whatnot. And honestly, I'd say the biggest downsides to it, as much as I do not like online courses, were the technical sides of it. Just people cutting out, audio cutting out, things cutting out, and it just breaks that level of immersion that you have. And it's kind of that thing where everyone's just sitting there like, is this gonna get fixed? Is it not? Is it gonna get fixed? Like you never really fully immerse into it you know it's still mm. always a screen so I feel like again that's probably part of the reason that I've been looking at a lot of old work it's like I'm looking at all this theory and whatnot I might as well apply it in some way like that I can um, right in front of me but it's definitely been a really weird experience absolutely not what I expected or not how I expected to start out and I think for us in our cohort it's raised a lot of questions of you have other students who are kind of already through the program and that raises its own issues. But if you're starting out, if you don't have that foundation or it's so shaky, like, you know, what's going to happen next year? What's going to happen when, knock on wood, we get a you know vaccine and things can go back? It's like, is that time going to be lost or is it going to be different? I don't know. So I feel like we're all working through that right now. And to be honest, we did lose one or two students in the beginning who were just like, I can't emotionally, financially, physically, like this is just too much for me to have to adjust to. And if I wasn't in Baltimore, just a few hours away from New York, and I have, I didn't have family and friends there where I can just pop up and down when it's safe to, that may have been a hard decision for me to be able mm -hmm. to make as well, you know? So I feel like everyone's had to really look at what they're doing, um, 
in, in like a very personal way, but then we also still have to come to a lot of decisions together. Like we kind of unionized in a sense before classes started and we were like, this is what we want if we see this, like if we understand you're working under the facts you're working under, but like this is what we need and if that's not met, then we need to reevaluate. And it's kind of like, well, they can't kick all of us out of the program. So I think people need to really, um, and especially students, like it's such a weird dynamic created in academic settings, but like you have power as well. You can you can make change. You can voice these these concerns. So, yeah, I think for me, it's just been, again, reinforcing that whole idea of like collaboration, working with others, communicating with others and just understanding that you are not you're not going to create in a vacuum. I mean, you need to interact with other people. If you want to be successful, you have to network and socialize and, and know these different things. So um, it's kind of just adjusting as much as possible to the this new reality and just I think right now we're really in this planning phase of like how do we how do we compensate for that lost time if that makes sense like we're all I talk to people in my cohort every day on FaceTime text messages we're sending memes we're doing all of it just like we have been friends for years mm -hmm. but we've never physically seen each other we've never met but wow. it's like how do you spend hundreds of hours online in the middle of this and people are being vulnerable. People are being more honest about how they feel. I mean, if you get on and someone looks depressed, one of us would probably ask and they would probably say, yeah, it's just a hard day. Yeah. Um, and I know for me, especially around uh, everything that happened with George Floyd, uh, that was a very tough few weeks. I mean, just emotionally, I'm a pretty, I consider myself a pretty grounded person, like calm, whatever, mm -hmm. going about my day. But like, I just had no control over my emotions at that point. It's like, I could be fine and then you could be crying or you could be fine and you're angry. I mean, it's yeah. just, I feel like everyone's had to work through so many different experiences during this pandemic, financial crisis, medical crisis, you know, civil rights crisis. I don't know, there's yeah. just so much. Yeah, and I feel like it's worth mentioning as well. You were, you were in Baltimore in 2015? Yes. So you remember also what the Baltimore uprising was like, and you'd have those memories, and that was really wild. Right. Um, and I mean, now we're seeing it everywhere, every day, but it's hard, you can't forget what's happened in your own city and apply that through your own lens of like, what could happen to me? What could happen to my loved ones, my community, my city, yeah. my country, <laughs> right? my people, this world, everything. <laughs> All of it. Yeah, no, it's it's definitely been an interesting experience. And sometimes there's, I, I definitely feel like, oh, well, I feel guilty that I'm like investing so much time into this program right now, or I'm focused on this, but it's like, this is what I've been working for years towards. So I feel like there's also that weird aspect as well. But yeah, speaking on 2015, I mean, I covered some of those protests as well. And it's very interesting because being here during the uprising in Baltimore really changed the way that I view the media in a sense, or the way that they document a lot of um, yes. these protests. Um, because I know specifically with Freddie Gray, I, I was there for some of the larger protests and then I stopped going because I was having a lot of issues with the fact that you'd be right next to CNN or Fox or whoever these people are, and it would be calm 99% of the day. Everyone's calm, marching orderly. Mm -hmm. No one's messing with anything. And then the second anything happens, a little flare up or whatever, it's like, okay, like camera up. Like they are mm -hmm. just 
we got to get this, we got to get this carnage. We got to get this craziness. We have to yeah. show it to the rest of the world. And let's all go I've, to the CVS that's on fire and exactly, show that. Exactly. Exactly. It's like, why come on? Like, don't do that. And I feel like we've seen a, a better job during this, but I don't know if that's due to criticism or the fact that there's so many people out there that maybe we just see a more like well-rounded, a more global view of what's happening on the ground. Um, so that's something that like I've been excited to see. I, I don't I don't like the fact that when it was Baltimore, yeah, it was really and you you were here as well. It was just really about the violence and everything, and it was less mm -hmm. about why. Like mm -hmm. you're throwing these things up for people to continue to criticize people or marginalized people or people in certain areas, but you're not giving any context as to why they would be fighting or rebelling against or what does that CVS actually mean because it's not giving money back to the community. I mean, there's all these different issues that people can get into that I'm, I'm glad to see that we're diving into that now. Um, but I also don't know if that would be the case if we weren't in the middle of a pandemic um, where everyone's yeah. quarantined and like people have no choice but to kind of look at it. And if you wanna know, you kind of have to look, you know, for the facts these days. So yeah, it's been a lot different um, to Freddie Gray in that respect, I, I feel like. Yeah, it, yeah, it's really interesting because it does seem like there's this kind of surge of consciousness around the root issues. And that's really where the conversation seems focused, as opposed to, like you're saying, you know, getting distracted by these other other symptoms. And so really talking about the the structures of inequity and, you know, how this is really embedded in the way that our, our you know country has existed for years. And I, I think it's, it, it is interesting that that really seems to be coming to the forefront now and, and, and just impacting everything. And even related to what you were talking about earlier, um, which I, I really appreciated you saying about, you know, just sort of banding together with your cohort of students and having really honest conversations about being a support system for one another, but also holding, you know, other organizations accountable. And I think that's something maybe not new, but definitely in light of all of this, it, it seems like there's a lot more there's a higher bar and more expectation for for real action to to be implemented, and I'm I'm glad to see that because I think that's how you know we start to to see real change. And yeah, it's just there's there's so much happening, but that is an area where it seems like there's some kind of virtual you know it has created this these points of connection, um, and just the fact that like we're so we're so tapped in all the time. Like there's, there's such an immediacy and you're right. I think it's really amplified by the pandemic that, you know, we can see immediately what's happening on the other side of the country, other side of the world. And so that response is just so, so visceral and immediate. And, you know, you have people everywhere that are, are documenting their own lived experiences. And um, so I think being able to see and, you know, hear those those perspectives as opposed to just like a few select media outlets, you know, and whatever that narrative is. I feel like it's more, I don't know, hopefully this is a shift of more power to the people. I general. hope so. No, and I agree. I totally agree, Nicole. I mean, I think I think it's so this shift is important. And I think that people have to really pay attention to the way things are now. I mean, there are a lot of issues that are arising as well due to that immediacy. 
via technology, but I also do think that, again, this whole idea of empowering people um, and people empowering themselves like as a collective is, is really important. Like I've, I've been having conversation with friends about certain companies that like maybe they support it or I support it or, or that I don't want to. And it's like, I feel like we can have these open conversations now, whereas before this happened, I mean, pretty sure one of my friends would have been like, shut up or like think that I'm preaching at them about, oh, well, you shouldn't support this because they're doing this and this is you're like offended by this issue, but you're supporting it in, in you know, one way or another. So I feel like it's it's allowed us to have a lot more honest conversations and not feel like you're going to be judged or ridiculed. It's just like this is what I believe, like, look at where we are right now. And if we want it to be better then. People just have to, you know, you have to understand that change has to come. I mean, there's no, what is, we keep saying, what is normal? I don't know, because we can't really go back to where we were before. Yeah, it was a so, bad normal. Right, right. So it's, it's definitely been a huge learning experience in a lot of different ways. But I feel like, yeah, especially in those close relationships and building those relationships with people who were essentially strangers to me two months ago and like I could call any of them right now. It's weird and I think that that in itself, like there's, I keep joking, there's gonna be a lot of art projects that come out of this, but like people connecting over Zoom in all these different ways because it's like, what was everyone watching the, the freaking show Love is Blind? Like all these random reality shows and <laughs> yes. whatnot, you know? And it's like, can people fall Cameron in love Lord, or the establish way. these crazy connections? I was just watching something about camera. I, I love those two, right? <laughs> That's my guilty pleasure. All right, you got it. You got it out of me. I love I love those two on Love is Blind. But, um, <laughs> yeah. I yeah. still haven't watched it, but I'll oh, let you, you guys know to. my thoughts when I do. Please do. Please it's do. almost we'll prophetic now. It's like... Because right. that was all filmed and came out before quarantine, but that's really what our mm -hmm. relationships look like these days. Right, yeah, so it's just this weird thing of, I think that these friendships and relationships will continue to be strong, but I think they'll be strong in a, in a different way because it's like I could have interacted with a ton of people in person for years, but these are mostly professional relationships where I don't really want to bridge that gap where it's like, hey, if I hop on Zoom and I look a hot mess and I'm not like speaking and I'm doing it's like there's probably something wrong with me. And the fact that we're now starting to like look at some of these things and, and think about them, I think is um, it's important, like just thinking about other people and what they're going through as well. So, yeah, it's it's definitely been it's it's July now. We're going into August. And so I. I don't know. I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing if we can figure this stuff out by the fall. You know, we'll see, though. I don't know. The numbers are the numbers are not tracking well. It's, I was just talking to a friend before this and I was like, it's like we were grounded. We were let off punishment and then we immediately got grounded again and we're, we're yeah. going back into lockdown. So I'm not sure if you're aware, but uh, Maryland introduced a new unemployment um, system right mm -hmm. as the pandemic was starting and so they oh rolled, yeah i know all that <laughs> yeah they rolled everyone off of it and then this new one was broken so there was no accountability with the company that made it um the governor's office and all these people weren't really providing much information i actually ended up writing some of our state senators and whatnot and just brought up this whole idea that people are out here during this pandemic having to essentially beg for what they're entitled to. I mean, what they pay taxes for. These are these are things that mm -hmm. they have rights to. And it's just like, I feel like in this state, especially there's a lot of picking and choosing of where resources are gonna go and how they're gonna be used. Mm -hmm. And I know that's governance, mm -hmm. but 
Baltimore City has been getting hit by Hogan for a while. Um, yeah. And now we're having to roll things back because we got criticized for not opening up quick enough. They opened things up uh, basically at his request. And then now we're having to slow things down again um, because we went too fast. And yeah, especially around this area, like, you, I don't understand how people don't think about, uh, you know, the different communities that are being affected disproportionately by this disease. And really, if you drive around Baltimore, yeah. if you were a city of neighborhoods, you can see where places are getting hit and where people are taking it seriously and where they're not. Um, but then you're also seeing spikes in those areas where they're not taking it seriously. And I'm like, how are you not? getting this lesson yeah i have i have no clue it's, it, these are things that you know running through my mind that in different films and photo books it's like it's a constant mm -hmm. mix of, of of topics but yeah i'm interested to see how the city handles it because we need as much support and like understanding from our leadership as possible mm -hmm. and for people to actually come in and, and do the work as opposed to um, people who just say they do the work mm -hmm. like hopefully some better better shifts happen. And at least this time, I mean, I feel like I'm swinging constantly back and forth between being optimistic and being like, there are so many people that are waking up that are finally starting to care. They're right. finally making choices and changing. And at the same time, I'm like, and yet <laughs> there's all these, like, I've, I haven't seen so much hate and ignorance so just like pfft, everywhere it's out there. telegraph it's mm -hmm. just like hey world this thing i was hiding um i'm just gonna put it out there for you like I, i'm confused i'm glad in a lot of cases i'm like well thanks for letting us know but yeah it's a very very weird weird time i'm so hopeful for a better future but i can't forget 2016 and I know what happened. Oh gosh, I <laughs> can tell you where I was, I was and what I was doing and what I was eating and all. Same. Yeah, that is, it is traumatizing. I mean, oh mm -hmm. yeah, 2016. But I think here in the city, I mean, we've just—it's it, been a lot. It's been a really busy, you know, couple of years here for a number of different reasons. And it's—you want to be optimistic, but you also have to like yeah pay attention to the facts around you and i left out a huge bit of context which shame on me earlier that i when i went to salisbury and got my undergrad i got it in sociology so i've been depressed about this stuff for a long oh, yeah. time you've now. been thinking about it <laughs> right so i'm like what are we gonna do and it's 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 funny that you mentioned this whole idea of like okay now people are, are woke and you know they they understand because it's like this is kind of what i wanted but not like this it's like kind of be careful what you ask for because look mm -hmm. what it took for people to actually like pay attention to some of these yeah. issues, you know? So yeah, we'll, we'll have to see where we go from here. I'm optimistic that people will vote in November because I think that people understand we do not have a choice. Like I can't do, I can't do another 2016 evening, like staring. I, I remember thinking like, I don't know what reality I am. Like I, I thought I was asleep or something, you know? Um, I think I yeah. just sat on the couch that whole next day, like, what is happening? Not again, please. Please, right? people, vote. Yeah. I think a lot of people had, you know, whole family and social group disruptions then and probably are experiencing it all over again now or maybe for the first time now. But, yeah, I'll, I'll never forget that night. <laughs> we just end up justifying a lot of things. And sometimes we just need to have those hard conversations and, and, make, and take those stances. Um, so yeah, I, uh, it's definitely been, 
interesting. My, my wife is, is Caucasian, so I'm in an interracial relationship. And it's been something that we've discussed for a long time, but it wasn't really until the Floyd murders that like that really, um, what that meant kind of came out. And then the idea of all these family members that like I had just tolerated or like, I guess they tolerated me because they're the ones who have an issue with me. You know, it's more just like, I can't excuse a lot of this anymore, you know, because it creates, a, it almost creates shame within yourself. You're like, I should not be, I, I believe all these things, like I shouldn't be able to accept this, you know? So it definitely was a lot of like self-realization and then just setting whatever that red line is like, look, I don't think everybody needs to agree on every single issue, but I think that we've gotten out of the point now where it's about issues. It's like ideological, like you're one way or the other, um, because you are at, at this point, it's attacking people. We could maybe like speculate on that before, but we see the legislation, we see the judges. So yeah, it's kind of like real. Yeah. It's not just about, you know, a matter of, of a difference of opinion or, you know, political differences. It, it really is human rights that we're, we're right. talking about. So it's, there's that cognitive dissonance when someone that you, that you know, or that you love or care about just doesn't, you can't have it both ways. And I think we're, we're seeing all of that, you know, now. Right. And like Amanda said, if, if these conversations haven't happened already, they definitely are now. And, yeah. um, yeah, there's a different level of, of tolerance and, you know, realizing what we can't accept and that um, it might not be possible to maintain those personal relationships, knowing that that personal belief system is at odds with our own right to live. And, <laughs> and right. so it's, it's a really, a really difficult thing. But, but like you said, it's, it's necessary to, to have those conversations and that hopefully that will lead to some kind of shift. Right. Eventually, we'll we'll see. I mean, but yeah, it's definitely it's definitely needed, and and I think yeah, we don't really get any type of change unless people still you know we continue to have those those candid conversations. So yeah, as much as it hurts to not have you know a best friend or a family member in your life or something like that, it's like I guess you can hold, you can be optimistic that maybe one day they'll they'll understand or come around or you know. But I'm sure on their end, they're probably thinking the same thing. Um, oh, so, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, oh, well, you just don't get it. I, Trump's so smart, I just don't understand him, I guess. I, maybe. He, <laughs> maybe. He passed the test. Maybe that's the case. <laughs> Didn't you right, guys his, hear? Yeah, his... Uh, my gosh. He's... I've never... There's never been a person who's been able to have me say, I'm not going to be shocked. There's no way I'm going to be shocked. And then every single day, you're just like... Wow. I'm shocked. <laughs> yeah, like you really did that. You really went there. I mean, yeah, this is where we are. I yeah. know. I, but hopefully he'll be out soon. <laughs> yes, if the polls are accurate, and I'm not. I'm. Look, everybody needs to get out there. I'm gonna be be more creative. Me, I can say it. We are gonna be pushing everything we can to get people to vote. I don't care what we have to do. Register and vote. Yeah. <laughs> if you take away anything from this podcast episode, right. wear a mask, vote. vote, vote, have the hard conversations, care about other people, <laughs> you know, just, just some basics. <laughs> yes. All of those. Before we go, do you have any tools or resources or the platforms or, or anything that you use in your business and practice that you would recommend? Um, and also where can people find your work and, uh, where can, where and how can they support you? Awesome. Awesome. So 
Tools that I use, I am obsessed with, um, and this is not a plug for Google in any way, use whatever you need to. <laughs> yeah. But I use Google Keep or Tasks. I'm like obsessed with check boxes Ooh, and like checking things off of a list now. Um, mm -hmm. It does not work for me if I- things crossed out. Yeah, I can't Good. write it down. <laughs> I don't know why. And I used to do that when I was younger. I guess I haven't really tried. Yeah, I said I can't, I haven't done it. But I do like uh, I do like typing them up and then not just clicking it or just seeing it get crossed off. I'm like, yes, you accomplished something. And it's, it's an easy way because we lose track, especially with the way that days are going now. You're mm -hmm. like, I don't even remember what I did 10 hours, you know, earlier. So it's a good mm -hmm. way to keep track of like what you're doing and what you need to follow up on, um, simple enough. So that is my number one thing. Like when I wake up, I'm looking at those lists, uh, running through emails and whatnot, and then all the work and whatnot comes after that. And then outside of that, YouTube. I mean, I feel like a lot of people don't realize how, or maybe everyone does, I don't know, but there's so many resources on there. There's Skillshare and all these other things, that platforms that people can use, but like you were saying, sometimes your best news or your best content is gonna come from like some average person, some just random person across the country who had the same exact question that you had and did a video on it or did a podcast or did something. So a lot of people ask me technical things and, and you know how I'm shooting certain images or coloring and whatnot. And yeah, there's a lot of that information out there where you can just look it up and not to say that you should copy anyone, but there's a whole idea of authorship and author, you know, all that stuff. If you're inspired by someone, you know, it's totally fine to, to learn from them and kind of engage in some of that stuff. So don't feel any shame in using some of those resources. Like it's very basic, but I am, I use YouTube more than any other form of media, Netflix, you know, every iTunes, Spotify, whatever it is, like that's what I use. Um, and again, visual learning. Um, so if you're drawn to that, like that kind of helps you bridge that gap. And um, for me, it's really been photo books. So it's not something that I did a lot earlier in my career because they're expensive and they're heavy and there's so many to choose from, but I would recommend finding those maybe two or three artists that you're really drawn to and then maybe getting some of their work or looking up the work that inspired them. Um, because in a lot of cases you'll end up, at least I've been able to find a lot of similarities and it's like, oh, I love this artist and their work, not realizing that like they studied under a specific artist or they studied a specific style that you also love and didn't realize it was connected. Like everything is connected, you know? So yeah. I feel like just taking the time to dive into the history of kind of what you're working on and um, some of the people who came before you, it, it helps. It really helps like lessen that load and, and th they did a lot of the work. So it's kind of like, maybe what is your take on it? Like, do you have a new concept? Do you have a new way to introduce this work to the world? Um, so I found, I found those things really helpful. Like just go into the history, spend that time, we have it now. I invested in a printer finally. I got one of these grants, one of the grants that I wrote uh, for came through. Oh, and awesome. so I got myself a printer and I am printing my work. Uh, I'd already been scanning and, and doing everything. And you hear from a lot of photographers and, and you know art makers, like you have to print it, you have to see it. And you hear it and you can nod, but like you have to do it. <laughs> um, even if it's like, your most basic printer all the way up to the nicest one, like get what you can, because to be able to see things side by side and kind of compare and contrast and just see how your images look 
as physical objects. I mean, we're in this weird space where images are all zeros and ones. It's all code. Like to have that physical thing there. I mean, even that in itself, it, it's it's an experience. And then you have a lot. There's a whole different conversation there with um, having a digital object versus a physical like you know something that you can carry with you and pass on, and it's going to be interpreted different ways. So. That's been important to step back from a lot of the social and digital and kind of just like print and appreciate what you're working on and just build from that. So yeah, those, that's, that's kind of been my routine in the morning. You know, if I'm not reading a ton, shout out to my professors because they, they really made, let us have it. Um, read it. If I'm not reading or writing and I have time to like engage with photography um, just for me, yeah, it's one of those things like I'm sitting on the floor probably flipping through a photo book and taking notes and then yeah, just just hone in on your craft. Yeah, learning on YouTube, do what you can to kind of just get better. And then hopefully when we can all get out and work again, you, you maybe have a new skill or two that you can test out or, you know, put, yeah. to, put, put it all to action. So um, I am currently working on a bunch of new things and you can find some of that work on my Instagram. So I am Isaiah RW on Instagram. It's I-S-A-I-A-H-R-W. There are two A's in it. That's always the thing with my name. And my website is www.isaiahrw.com. So the same thing. And yeah, just um, updating when I can, throwing some new work in there, kind of playing with some new concepts. And hopefully I plan to be sharing a, some, some things that are not normally associated with me, uh, you know, via social. But yeah, this time has helped me branch out as well. Um, so I think just, uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to sharing some of that out, getting some, getting some feedback, and then just continuing to grow and collaborate. Like, it's collaboration. Again, we, we gave all the fun things and, and the stuff to take away. My number one word, my number one concept, the number one everything is collaboration. I would not be here. I wouldn't be in the program. You know, I wouldn't have any of the stuff if I hadn't really honed in on that, especially here in Baltimore. Like, use those opportunities and really foster those relationships because you're not going to get anywhere on your own. Um, you yeah. have to kind of think as a community. And, and, and that's kind of what we're asking everyone to do right now anyway, yeah. you know. Yeah. So. Look at you bringing it full circle. Right. So topical. <laughs> I did it. I know. Oh, amen. I'm no, just, that was beautiful. Oh, so we definitely wouldn't be here having this conversation if we weren't collaborating right now. And because of collaboration, that's what brought us together in the first place as well. Yeah. Thank you so much for coming on to the podcast and for sharing your your thoughts and experiences and feelings about what's going on um we really appreciate it and uh it was an awesome conversation yes thank you so much for having me i mean yeah this is great and it's it, it's been great to have a conversation with you know some people that i've met and and you, you you know you understand baltimore but also just this moment we're in right now and definitely good to be in a in a conversation outside of a educational setting mm. so more candid, more, more, more stuff coming out. Yeah, thank you so much. Of course. That's it for this episode of the Beyond the Studio podcast. You can find show notes, references, and a brief summary of the episode over at our website, beyondthe.studio. While you're there, be sure to sign up for our mailing list to find out about upcoming guests, special announcements, and podcast giveaways. Excuse me for a second. Mel just got here. Oh, you good? Oh. <laughs> <laughs>
Sorry. <laughs> Your dog's barking for a second. Um, <laughs> I can kind of restart that statement. Oh, that's sure. all good. Um, so I was gonna say. We usually male. have animal interruptions, but not male. Okay. Oh, some editorial works just came. I can't be too mad. 